think it's working? Uh, yes, uh, just in a moment. It's up in the top left-hand corner. It says starting recording, and it'll do that. They've got to do a repair request. Now it's about a one. So, um, let's just talk about it in general. But we know that we're talking about it very specifically. But in all cases, adults who are around children, whether it's a, uh, a nephew or a student or a child, um, we want the best for that child. Yeah. And that when we want the best for the child, many times the child doesn't understand. Correct. He's like an example of that is taking the dog to the vet. All the dog knows is, is that poking and needles and stuff like that is painful. So the dogs don't want to go into the vet, but we drag them in anyway. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, because it's very difficult to teach the dog about his about health and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. With children, we try to talk them into it, but they still don't like it. Mm -hmm. All right. So that whole idea about going to the doctor is something that we do in general that we could call education. All kinds of education and and in what's the most important in our case is the sense of morality or what's the right way to live. But we could also see it in the sense of making sure that the child is getting the kind of education that we think he needs so that he can have the kind of job that we want him to have. Yeah, because we're worried he can't survive. Because we're worried he can't survive. And guess what? We are worried because we were taught how to worry because we watched our own parents and adults worry over us. So we could almost talk this, the original sin is the worry wart or whatever that's passed down from generation to generation. And that takes various different forms, including domestic violence that we know for sure that a child raised in a home that is having domestic violence, he's much more likely than to have domestic violence in the home that he lives when he's an adult. That's just the way things are that mm -hmm. is trained and learned behavior. Not only that, but the surprise is, is that when a mom spanks her, her child, her daughter, she will spank the child the way that her mom spanked her. Yeah, we just carry it on. Until we wake up to this whole process. And the best way to wake up to it is to wake up to it in the sense of in our own mind. Now, here's a really clear example of that. If you see somebody that has just fallen over the side of a ship and you cannot swim, but you panic and you want to save their life so bad that you jump in the ocean with them, what good is that going to do? Yeah, yeah, no, we're all going to drown. Right, okay. This is what we call pity party or misery loves company. Yeah. Or in a, in a way, we try to um, operate with people not according to what they need, but according to what we think they need based upon what we need ourselves. This is called 
sometimes egocentric or selfishness. And the whole teaching of the Buddha is to teach to come out of selfishness and uh, be loving and kind to other people. But we don't because we are critical with other people the way that we are critical with ourselves. So the very quick and easy answer I can give you now is, is that if you want to help a child, the best way that you can do that is by helping yourself to come out of your own parent-child relationship that you have within your own mind, get your own act together, and then you will act like an adult to the child, teaching the child how to be an adult as opposed to being a parent to the child, teaching the child how to react to parents and then how to become a parent to have a child react to them. Correct. I can see I can see what you're saying. Um, all I am trying to do with my nephew is to share. I don't tell him what to do. I'm telling him, for example, that his behavior m might keep him, might cause him being alone and he might not have friends if he treats people this way. The, uh, you know, I, I, I don't tell him not to do it or, uh, or do it a certain way. I'm just sharing that this might cause him something. So um, I understand what you mean. Let, let me address that as a counter example. Yeah. The name of the individual that I'm thinking of is Milton H. Erickson. Now, he became famous. First off, he had polio and was stricken with polio and was wheelchair bound back in the 1940s and 50s during a time which meant that, that he was isolated, truly. Uh -huh. He was more isolated than any child with a cell phone. Mm-hmm. But because of his isolation and whatnot, he picked up the habit of observing and watching people, very much like your nephew was watching and observing on the cell phone. Correct. And that in that process, he became a very, very famous master hypnotist. And that he caught the eye, uh, the eye of several research psychologists named Bandlin and Grinder, who studied the style of Milton H. Erickson, who picked this stuff up naturally by observing. And they've mm -hmm. developed a whole branch of psychology called Neuro Linguistic Programming, or NLP. So that's the kind of thing that isolation will give to a child if he uses it well. Well, but how can it ensure that he uses it well? You don't have that ability no. to do that unless you have that ability within your own mind so that you can give him the example. Mm -hmm. So if you begin to live and act nobly and understand what it is to be very high class noble in your mind, in other words, you begin to figure out what really is the very best way for a human being to behave and act, and then you start behaving and acting that way as a mole model for him, he will pick that up naturally. 
This is called synchronicity. It's called um, uh, guilt by association, but this is the very, very highest quality guilt. This is what Sangha is all about. In other words, the best way for you to help your your nephew is for you to help your own mind. You come out of all your misery and suffering and be glad and happy and cheerful all the time and not worried about a darn thing. And very successful at everything that you do because you're paying attention to what you're doing. He'll pick that up. He just doesn't have any models of people who are living their lives like that. Yeah, everything around him is like you basically like suffering through life. Like there is no. I see your face when you say that and as you're suffering through life also. Perhaps (laughs) he's picked that suffering through life up through some of the adults around him, his own family. Yeah, so, like- you can you can begin to live your life dancing through life happily and he'll start dancing with you. Well, he's literally dancing, <laughs> literally, he says he's doing, a, you know, he's doing a ballroom dancers dancing. And I think he lives there more than outside of of, of the classroom. But okay. I understand. Look, so right. So for me to whew, live happily and dance through life, I don't. I I'm feel like I'm trying to explain if something bothers me that it's something within me and not outside of me. And I guess I'm struggling to. Accept. Why are you bothering yourself so much? Is that a habit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's oh, like Well, you can come out of that habit by stop bothering yourself so much. All you have to do is remember to look at what you're doing. And when you see yourself bothering yourself, you can say, hey, hot dog, I don't have to do that. So for me, for example, to, to smile when I'm angry or like bothered is to like why would I ever say to smile when you feel angry? Why would but, you feel angry? Why don't you feel like smiling and then smile? That's real. Why well, should that, you choose to be angry when you can choose to feel smiling? But the switch between this emotions. Why is, would you bother to switch? Once you find out that joyful and smiling is better than angry, you can avoid being angry. Well, that's the thing. I feel like I need to learn how to be angry first and then I'll be smiling. <laughs> I don't know. Well, that means that you need to see anger for what it is and then say, oh, oh I don't want to do that. I want to smiley, smiley when I see the anger. But it makes me even more angry. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You choose to be more angry. Yeah, well, I absolutely do. Yeah, oh, I mean. I'm doing, yes. Yes, so that's a vicious cycle, and you can unwind it to be a happy cycle. That if if being angry and seeing anger makes you more angry, then smiling and seeing smiley should make you more smiley, right? Correct. But what do I do? Do I switch on? Do I like put on some happy videos and that's and start pretending? Yes. 
between your ears, videos between your ears. As opposed to the horror movies you keep playing. Oh my God, he's watching the videos on that uh, that cell phone. He's only watching girls. He'll never learn anything. I hear that video. That's a horror movie you play. You don't have to play that horror movie. You can play a horror movie. Everything is okay. Except that it's not a horror movie. You can have actually happy thoughts. You don't have to have dangerous, unhappy thoughts. But it takes practice, and this is what the practice of the Buddha is all about. He makes sure that he makes uh, this very clear, and yet it's missed by Western Buddhism, even though the Buddha harped on it on sutta after sutta after sutta. And that is, is that there are two kinds of thoughts, wholesome thoughts and unwholesome thoughts. And if we have unwholesome thoughts, then we're going to have the feelings that are associated from unwholesome thoughts. And if we have wholesome thoughts, then we'll have feelings associated with wholesome thoughts. This is the teaching of the Buddha. And he's got it nailed down to the very deepest details on how to do this and whatnot. But basically, it's all about that when you play horror movies, you're going to have horrible results. And when you play happy movies, then you're going to have happy results. Yeah. This is the teaching of the Buddha. But the that's one's right effort is to change those thoughts, and it's going to take some effort. Yeah, because I feel like it's just cheating instead of living through them. Pardon? I feel like it's cheating instead of living with those thoughts. Okay, well, who set up those rules? It's in my, it's, I don't know, because life is suffering. <laughs> no, life is not suffering. Where did you ever hear that? Some people even think that that's the first noble truth and it's wrong on several counts. Well, exactly. Maybe it's the translation, but dukkha is suffering or like displeasure. Yeah. Okay, that's a mistranslation. Dukkha, when seen like that, looks like a great big thing. But a much better translation of dukkha is dissatisfied or unsatisfactory. So uh, that brings up, uh, there's a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker says, life is shit and then you die. <laughs> yeah. But. That's not the teaching of the Buddha. Buddha does not say life itself is dukkha. The, the real statement is, is that dissatisfaction actually exists. And then the mm -hmm. second noble truth is, and there is a cause for this dissatisfaction. Desire. And, and when we, well, that's not exactly correct. That's in fact very simplified. It's not necessarily the desire itself, it's that we, the, the desire is ignorant and often foolish, as opposed to wise desire. So we mm -hmm. could go so far as to say that the desire that is done by instinct is in fact quite often, because the programming is so simple, it's often wrong. 
But if we use the higher qualities of the brain and start mm -hmm. looking at things the way things really are, then we can come out of our foolish desires and start desiring things that are actually easily attainable. Because otherwise, we want things that we don't have. Wanting something that we don't have, regardless of what it is, is a form of suffering. So when your nephew does not do what you want him to do, that's you suffering. Correct. Because yeah. you want something that you don't have. Yeah. Okay, so the whole teaching of the Buddha is to wake up to all of these uh, thoughts that are unwholesome that leads us into a state of being dissatisfied with life and we start becoming satisfied with life. Because life itself is not suffering. It's actually quite nice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I know you don't know. Old statement. <laughs> and you don't even have to take my word for it. But at least you can see that I can see that it's that that life is can be joyful. Yeah. I in fact, if you want to think about it that way, and I'll give you part of the secret is, is that it's my job to show you enough joy that you believe that you can have a little of it too. And once you get a bit of it, you can let it grow so that you too can become joyful and satisfied with your life. That's what the teaching of the Buddha is all about. This is what Sangha is all about, that if you cannot find someone who is joyful and happy to be around for a little while, then you'll be miserable like everybody else is miserable. But if you can find someone that's joyful and happy, you can be joyful and happy too, and then you can go be joyful and happy with your nephew, and he'll be good to go. And you don't have to worry about him. He's already too worried. Yeah. <laughs> So when I when I see when I recognize the thought that I'm judging, what do I do with it? You can say, "Aha! I caught you, judgmental thought." So it's just constant conversation with yourself, like a. Well, you're right? already having a constant conversation with yourself. Now you can learn to have a happy conversation with yourself. And basically, the conversation is normally going on in most people's mind, the conversation between the parent ego state and the child ego state, using uh, Eric Burns language, or between the superego and the id in Freudian language, okay? But the Buddha knows all about this also. He knew about it long. I mean, Buddha was a better Freud than Freud. <laughs> so... This conversation is basically a judgmental conversation in the sense of your parents told you what was right and what was wrong, what to do and what is not to do. Put that down that cell phone and do your homework. Learn your ABCs, do your one, two, threes. And so we get into this judgmental mind state. And that mind state of liking and not liking or success and not success has then the quality that grown that winds up being the second noble truth because it's based in ignorance and we wind up wanting things that we can't have. 
But if we were wise, we would stop wanting things that we can't have and start enjoying the things that we do have. And that's the basic teachings of the Buddha is just to come out of wanting things, to recognize that wanting something is actually uh, prone to suffering or dangerous. My problem with wanting things is not about material want like finances or you know comforts um my point is wanting like like normal family with with you know good relationship within the family with like dinners and conversations and that's not what i'm seeing and i haven't been in my family in 13 years so i come back and like and i see the disturbance and I can't re-enter anymore like it bothers me so much or I bother myself by watching and judging mm-hmm. and, I, and I want them Not by to watching you don't bother yourself by watching you judge what you're finding judge. correct yeah but I I feel oh, so I feel that they're they're suffering they just hate each other why yeah, are they and, well why do you have to hate yourself and hate them because they hate each other i just want who's going to make a change here if you well, hate them enough they'll start loving you is that how it works no i just want them to be in peace why do you want them to be at peace? Why don't you just be at peace and maybe it'll rub off on them. But if you want them to be at peace and you're all agitated about them being at peace, you're bringing agitation to them, not peacefulness. Yeah, because how do I not react to comments that are degrading? You choose for them to be degrading. They may just be advisory as far as the source goes. You're making that judgment that these thoughts are degrading or these comments are degrading. You could also have the attitude, hey, you're right, I'm going to change that. Well, no, they're not degrading towards me. It's between my parents, you know, they're degrading towards each other. Well, maybe they're having a, a contest and only they know uh, how much they're enjoying it. There's a joke about that, by the way. It's uh, when uh, Noah opened the ark and he was counting with his, you know, primitive papers there and he's checking off two elephants and two camels and two and he comes out and there's 27 cats. And that old cat looked up at him and says, and you thought we were fighting all along. <laughs> And so you're Noah there. You're just thinking that they're fighting. You don't know what they're doing. That's their relationship, and you don't like their relationship. No, because they're they're getting like sick of it. (laughs) They're getting physical sickness, and it's hard. And and what I see is, is that you're getting physically sick right along with them, that you're vibrating to their drumbeat. I know when I'm not I'm not here with them, I'm I'm different. 
No, you're you. You're but here's the point is is that you're still getting sucked into it. Yes, and that's my problem that I my just I just slip into it and I it's hard to get out of that. Actually, no, it's not. It's actually quite easy. Start laughing. Well, the the point that makes it hard is number one is is that you've already got the wrong attitude in the sense of being a victim that you already feel victimized by their um, uh, internal conflict. There they are shooting at each other, and you're standing over here on the side catching all the bullets. Mm -hmm. And so you feel like that they're shooting at you. For in fact, you're just standing in the way. Yeah. And so the way to begin to handle this is to recognize that it is not you. What they're doing is not your business. And that you don't know what they're doing anyway. That your job is to be calm and happy and peaceful and relaxed. And perhaps that will start to rub off on them. But if you're as agitated as they are, how can you expect them to learn anything from you? All right, what do I do to become calm and peaceful and not agitated? <laughs> All right. Do I just sit and focus on my breath when they're bickering? Why are you focusing on their bickering at all? Because it's loud. It's it's. Yes. It's, so why are you focusing on their bickering? Why can't you also focus and in fact focus on something else? This is one of the main ways of doing things. And in fact, if you see something ugly, what do you do? You divert your eyes. You look at something else. OK, so you can also you don't have to be in hearing when they're yelling. You can go into some other sense. And one of the things to do is actually is to take a few deep breaths and say, wow, it's so nice. I don't have to listen to them. It is so nice. I really don't have to let that in at all. I can go into seclusion inside my mind. Actually, it's even better for you in the beginning is to actually physically get secluded to them. It's when they start bickering, walk out of the room. Or better still, dance out of the room. Yeah, no, I do. I do remove myself physically. Yes, so get away from it all and get yourself into seclusion. And when you're in seclusion, you can say, well, I'm so glad that I don't have to listen to any of that stuff. Oh, I, I again, this is like it's like a remorse of I'm cheating, not helping. Yes, <laughs> so crazy. But, uh, I will let's go back to say who set your rules that yeah, you're cheating. Who set that rule that life is supposed to be hard? Yeah, exactly. And in fact, that's nothing but an attitude. And what I hear you, you going to, and in fact, we can go ahead and start this right, right quickly. I don't, I, I'm not a psychologist. I think you are the best psychologist I've ever met. 
<laughs> well, the reason for that is because the psychologist knows more about their client than they're willing to tell them. I'm quite upfront. Okay? Yeah. And so in that regard, I'm not a, I'm not a psychologist because I want the students to get over their psychological stuff rather than get their payments in time. So there are the three P's and the three P's have to do with um, permission, protection and potency. Now, potency has to do with attitude, the winners of attitude. This is part of the Eightfold Noble Path. Um, protection means that you've got some internal strength and you can manage and handle things, that this is part of the potency. But mm -hmm. right now, what we're actually looking at is the issue of permission. Do you actually have permission to feel good? The answer is no. And the reason that we don't give ourselves permission to do what we need to do is because we think that the job is not done yet. That we haven't done enough. We haven't sacrificed enough. We haven't put enough weight on the scale to tip it yet. Yes, correct. So. We need to reevaluate what it is the job that needs to be done. Because right now we're never really sure of what the job is that needs to be done. All we know is that we're seeing failure in the sense that we don't see the results. So we have to look at results in a new way. And the result that we're looking for is actually something easy to do. And once we get it uh, done and we know we can do it, then we can do something a little bit more. It's mm -hmm. almost like going to a gym. When somebody goes to the gym, a 50 pound or 50 kilo weakling does not go to the great big uh, barbells of hundreds of kilos, all right? No, he starts with something small. Yeah. This is also the way that we practice with Anapanasati, except that it's only one size. It's like one size fits all. There's only one weight in that gym. The question is, how often can we pull it up until we get tired of doing it? But that builds that muscle, and we're talking about building a mental muscle. And the mental muscle is, is that we remember to come back to this present moment. And in that time, we look at the kind of thought that we have. So we've actually, what we're saying is we remember to pick up the dumbbell and flex our muscle with it. This is what we mean by right effort. But the dumbbell that we're picking up is what kind of thought am I having right now? Am I having a happy, wholesome thought or am I having an unwholesome want thought? I want this, I want that, I want them to be quiet, I want him to put down the cell phone, I want him to do this, I want him to do that, I want this, I want that, is all kinds of negative thoughts. And then we substitute it for the kind of thoughts that are very wholesome, including, oh, this is really nice. I don't need anything right now, I'm okay right now. So these are the kind of thoughts that we begin to have 
we stop having unwholesome thoughts and we give ourselves permission to have wholesome thoughts. By having wholesome thoughts, one of the wholesome thoughts we can have is, I like this. So we begin to like what we've got and be satisfied with what we have instead of wanting something that we don't have and being dissatisfied because we don't have it. We teach ourselves how to become satisfied. Mm-hmm. And we do that with having wholesome thoughts. One wholesome thought after another wholesome thought after another wholesome thought. This is the teaching of the Buddha. We do this with the Eightfold Noble Path. And that we can get ourselves into this satisfied state fairly easy. This whole stuff about enlightenment and all of that way up there and the magic and power of the Dhamma and all of this kind of stuff is, you know, mostly conceptualization framework. It's not real. What Mm -hmm. is real is I could be happy right now. And I could be happy right now, too. And I can continue to be happy because I remember to stay happy. And if I'm happy and contented and satisfied, I've got everything I need and I don't need magic and I don't need those folks to change. I don't need anything. But guess what? When I'm satisfied and happy and contented, everybody around me becomes satisfied and happy and contented more. And so this is what we practice, is to become satisfied and happy and contented. This is the third noble truth, is not something that magically happens years after I've done a meditation practice, but it's something that we intentionally get into, get into the state of, I'm okay, Mm -hmm. satisfied, everything is all right, no problems here. I'm not suffering at all. So do you repeat it to yourself? or is that Absolutely. How you... you have been your whole life talking yourself into feeling bad. Now it's time to talk yourself into feeling good. Absolutely. And repetition is the important key. Everything has to do with repetition over and over and over again. In fact, music and dance is all about repetition. And even so is marching, repetition. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. and I, I use several examples of that. The girl from Empanema and also Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. That same repetition over and over and over again is that her first, first movement of that symphony with that whole, and it's just rich, but it's always those four notes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is what we need to do is to get ourselves repeating. It doesn't matter how many they are. It can actually get down to just one mantra. Just one mantra would do. But very likely that we're going to have a whole range of good things is going to help us. And so it's good to experiment, to find something that's really, really useful. That there is, in fact, a Japanese haiku, a Zen haiku, Uh, 17 syllables translated into English is no place to go and nothing to do. And the spring comes and the grass grows by itself. Mm -hmm. Nothing to do, no place to go. 
and the spring comes and the grass grows by itself and I've got no place, I've got nothing to do. My work is finished here mm-hmm. because the only work that I had to do was to change the mind from unwholesome thoughts to wholesome thoughts. Now that the mind is in a wholesome state, my work is done. So once you get it under control, the wholesome thoughts, your work on this planet is over. It's over. You don't have any, everything you have to do is all play. You just play your way through life. Just enjoy your life. Do what you want to do. Or better still, whatever you're doing, enjoy it. Whatever thy hand findeth to do with all of thy strength, all of thy mind, and all of thy joy. I'm enjoying crying. (laughs) (laughs) I know what a relief it is. I really enjoy this, right? You're just so enjoying. What a relief. You have permission that you can be happy. You don't have to work hard at it anymore. All you have to do is remember. So why why did you come earlier? <laughs> you called me. I've been sitting here happy all day. Like if somebody told me to just call you, I probably would never do it. I don't know where, how, it's just so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Yes, this is definitely a huge relief. Yes, it's okay to feel relieved. Oh, what a relief it is. Give up all the worries of life. You're okay already. You already got everything you need. As the Zen would say, you're already enlightened. Yeah. Yeah. Relax already. Take a break. Have a breather. A nice deep breath. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I I know I work myself into this <laughs> constant worrying and oh, so much judgment too. Pardon? So I have I, it's just I work myself into this worry and judgment. Mm-hmm. Well, so un- you learned how to do it from experts. Yeah. So now it's time. You've already been completely successful at doing that. You're the best warrior you know. So now it's time to pick up a new skill. You've got that one down solid. <laughs> Congratulate yourself. Definitely. Go get a mortar cap and a gown and pass down the aisle. Yes, I have graduated now from being a warrior. Got a PhD in worry. <laughs> Let me go do something else now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, 
So for example, say, say some kind of, I don't know. Oh my God, I guess nothing really makes <laughs> sense, but like some kind of, I, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what else to worry about. <laughs> like, well, here's the thing though. The question is, now that you've gotten yourself into such a nice state, how could you get yourself back into this state the next time that you find yourself worrying? Yes, yes, because it has yes. to be. Yes, that that's the idea, that we need to get ourselves into these kind of states. In fact, even getting giddy to the point of crying is yeah. quite nice because you're in actually a nice, really nice state of mind now that you're actually clear and you can think clear. And so this is that kind of state that we're looking for, and we'll talk a lot about it later. But the, when the mind is sharp and clear and focused, we can really understand things much better. And so the, the training is, is to get ourselves into that state. And then when we're in it, now we're going to make sure, and in fact, uh, we relish in the fact that we only have the wholesome things to look at. One of the wholesome things now to look at is in the fact that we've got only wholesome thoughts in the mind. Another one is the, the wholesome state of recognizing right now I feel fearless. Right now I feel bouncy, alive, that I feel contented, satisfied, no dukkha at all. Sukha, in fact, is the poly word for it which has to do with feeling content and secure and satisfied. And we've already had that wow experience. And so that's the pity that comes in. So these are jhana factors that we're building up and we want to be able to get into this state and then maintain it. But for the beginner it's getting into this state. How can you now get yourself back into the state that you and I have gotten you into in the past 40 minutes. How can you get yourself back into that state? What have uh, we done? We have been concentrating on the fact that you've got permission to feel good. That yeah. you can feel good. That you can take a deep breath and just let the worries go. I don't have to worry. Never mind, start again. Okay, so we begin to practice like this. This is actually the practice of the Eightfold Noble Path using Anapanasati. This is the teaching of the Buddha is get us into a really nice state. Because right now you feel like dancing. Yes, I do. And then I feel like I want to cling to this state. Like my brain, like my head is empty. Like, I don't feel there's nothing, there's light <laughs> and there is no darkness and there's no heaviness. Mm -hmm. uh, now, but it now will go, I, but you yeah, can I want, bring it back it, again. In fact, you can recognize now it's beginning to come and go. Yeah, so how do I constantly exist in that because it's possible to constantly be in it yes 
<laughs> Isn't that marvelous? <laughs> so how it's just repetition, I guess, more like yes. just of where I am right now. You and have readily, repeatedly, repeatedly been talking yourself into worrying. In fact, that talking yourself into worrying is the worry itself. Now you're going to repeatedly talk yourself into feeling good. You can. You have my permission to feel good. You can. All you have to do is remember. Remember to talk yourself into feeling really great, and you do. Yeah, I don't feel like I'm. <laughs> I don't feel any more of uh, guilt. I guess. Ah, that's right. You can be free from that. You have permission. It's okay to feel good. You don't have to go do something to get permission from someone else to feel good. You could just throw out all the wants and desires and just feel good right now. Wow. Just remember. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to talk to you more. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, you can call. When do you when did you start all of this and where did where how did you get educated and where your English is coming from? What's your like background on this planet? Ah. Well, I'm I'm newly arrival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. You definitely are. <laughs> uh, but I've been living in Thailand for many, many years, uh, both off and on. But when I was in the States, I was living with Thais in the uh, temple. I've been a monk mm -hmm. and I've, I've been a pauper and, and a king and a lawyer and a criminal and everything. Been all around. Been a musician and uh, an engineer and a mathematician and a nobody. I wow. like being nobody best. So how how do you remember that? How do you know? Actually, here's something very interesting that I'm still playing with as a toy. And that is, is that when we remove our emotional attachments to our memories, we can remember details of things that we never thought that we could remember before. And they just kind of uh, pop up is that, in fact, we suppress our memories because our memories are loaded down with bad feelings. OK, and, sorry. And when we feel really good, we uh, it's easy to remember anything. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Sorry. It's me. My my mom is calling. Um, OK, I would love to continue with this because it's fascinating and I would like to talk to to you more about you rather than about me. Or okay. the, the misery I, <laughs> I lived huh. in. <laughs> OK, where are you located? I'm now in Russia in. Um, All right. It's about an hour. Uh, difference in our time zones but I used to live in the US too I mean I still live there I just moved back because I 
I don't know what I'm doing. I'm completely lost in my life. <laughs> so I thought I was pursuing something there and it's been 13 years and it kind of like I was just mulling in the same place. I was just walking and senselessly. I knew it was bringing me here at, uh, now. Okay. I'm sure. Well, we can talk about all of that as well as um, more in depth of Anapanasati at a later time. I know you've got to go. And we've been at it for about an hour already. So um, why don't you call me again? Uh, about tomorrow? once a week, maybe twice a week. Oh, once a week, so twice a week. Okay. And we'll get established to a, a regular practice. Yes, sounds good. Excellent. It's magic. Well, it depends upon how you define magic. <laughs> It's real magic. How about that? Okay. <laughs> That's real. Well, thank you very much. I'm really glad to know you. See you later, Kenya. Anya. Anya. And you're Jamadara, right? Damarato. 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 Oh, oh just like your name, Damarato. Yeah. Right. Sometimes they call me the Damarat. Damarat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Are you getting ready for for lunch? Is it lunchtime there? Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to find out, but I wasn't thinking about but you, it. But you're living in the monastery right now, right? Uh, actually, no, I'm living on a porch. On the porch, okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds yeah. good. Well, yes, I'm looking forward to talking to you more about you next, okay. next week. All right, well, we'll see you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate everything you do. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. <laughs>